Here we are, another Locked On NFL. I am Brian Peacock. Alongside me, as always, is the scout, Matt Williamson. We are taking you around the NFL daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. It is a fan Friday. We skipped the Twitter Tuesday this week, so we still had to hit your Twitter questions. So, fan Friday. Right now, we've got a bunch of stuff to get into, and uh, the thing I want to... By the way, Matt, how are you on this uh, this Friday? We're, we're finally done. Preseason over. We're into it. It's, it's time to go for real. It is, and I don't know that I've told you this, but every Labor Day weekend, a great deal of my high school buddies and I get together in Deep Creek, Maryland, and we do our fantasy draft, and even dudes that aren't in the league come in. we got guys coming in from San Diego, Portland, Jacksonville, all over the country, and we have a blast. And it's a great three-day weekend for me to kind of recharge the batteries, go have a blast with my best buds, and then come home and just dig right into football like crazy. I have nearly the identical situation happening. An old draft that's decades old that I'll be meeting up with some old friends throughout California here and uh, and drafting for Labor Day weekend. It's always a great time, and uh, it's the perfect time to draft. You get that extra day off, and then you're on to the season. How do you feel about late draft versus early draft? Because you get the late... Labor Day draft, you know, all the Lamar uh, Miller type injuries have already happened. So you kind of know what those big injuries are. And people always get sour grapes when they draft a guy and they get hurt or they drafted Andrew Luck. In my case, in a different league, I draft him an hour before he retires. And so most of those things are already set when you draft Labor Day weekend. I still prefer, though, I don't care about the sour grapes. I prefer because I think it's an advantage for me to draft earlier in the preseason. You get guys that are that are pre-hype. Say say a rookie running back that gets drafted in round three. People aren't too big on him. And then in the preseason week two, he goes off for, you know, 75 yards, a couple touchdowns, and averaging six yards per carry. All of a sudden, he gets bumped up four rounds, and it's like, dang, I can't steal that guy that I love now. So I prefer to draft early. How do you feel about that? That's a good question because I hadn't thought of it, and I immediately was sitting here thinking, oh, late, because, hey, I even want to do it after cut day on Saturday. I mean, we do ours on Sunday, so I know I don't draft a cut dude or – there's going to be trades. There's going to be, you know, I want all the information I can. But kind of to your point, I mean, I'm really one that does this for a living in our draft. And, hey, oh, by the way, I'm the most successful over a 20-year period or so. <laughs> but I do think the earlier you do it, the more advantage I would even have over those guys then because half those dudes two weeks ago didn't know who Darwin Thompson was. Now he's going in the yeah. seventh or eighth round where I could have mm-hmm. got him in the 16th. Exactly. Yeah. And so th- there's there's good and bad for both. And I understand how people want to do it late and they don't want to get burned by someone not being there. But I mean, there was still people drafting Le'Veon Bell, number one overall on Labor Day last year. All right. I mean, the, the dude in my league picked second overall. We're in Pittsburgh. He was a stealer. He took Lev Bell after Gurley went. And luckily for him, he took James Conner in like the seventh round. Bailed him out. I want to get into, there's a question about the XFL here, and I want to just tie this into preseason football, and I'm going to start with a tweet. This is from Tom Pelissero, and he said, as Rap Sheet and I reported last week, the preseason likely will be shortened, and both sides are open to adding playoff games as a means to offset the lost revenue. There also has been progress on secondary issues Still a lot of work left to do. So we'll see what that actually means and what ends up happening. I think it's pretty obvious that you can lop one 
most likely two preseason games off without any problem whatsoever. And, you know, two is nice. You knock the rust off in one, and then you get your guys ready to go in the second game, maybe have your starters play the second half. And I think most of the important... Most of the important roster battles happen on the practice field because there's a lot more reps happening there than on game day, but guys can still get some game reps. It does suck for the players who are all playing for this fourth preseason game that normally wouldn't really even have a job. Guys got picked up this week just to play in that game so they can say they played in the NFL. But there's a, a question here in the mailbag. We'll start with this one, and it was from Barry. He says, how interested in the XFL are you? What should XFL players be looking to show NFL teams? And I wanted to turn this question into not only that, but would you rather watch week one XFL next year or the fourth preseason game this year? Wow, good question. A lot there to digest. And I'm going to take a quick step back because a really good source at Steeler Camp thought, told me, I guess, kind of behind the scenes, that they think what is going to happen inevitably will be two preseason games and then two more teams will get in in each conference. So eight teams will go, eight will play one, two will play seven. There probably won't be any bye weeks. And it'll be more like hockey or basketball where half the league ends up going to the, the, the postseason. I have mixed feelings about that, but we can talk about that more if you want to. <sighs> XFL versus final preseason. I'm a snob. I, I, I like seeing the jerseys. You know, I want to see the Dolphins helmet. I don't want to learn new teams. I don't want to learn more about the other leagues. Um, I didn't watch the, the league that folded hardly at all. I tried. It just didn't do it for me. I've become a little snob with college, too. I used to be such a college fan, and now I watch players in college just and look at them and say, what kind of NFL players are you going to be? So I, th- I want to watch NFL even if it is a brutal week four game. It's the same for me. I would put it is this it? It's like, well, I watched the first week of AAF, but I didn't watch a single game after that. And the first, yeah, week, <laughs> the, the first weekend of the AAF, more people were watching that than NBA playoff games. So it's still got a market. And so I understand why they're trying to push a secondary professional football league. But at the same time, I think the XFL got hurt by the AAF because it came in, it pooped out. People are like, come on, we're going to see another one of these. The XFL already failed. AAF just failed last offseason. Now you're going to try it again with the XFL. And I saw the teams and the logos, and they didn't really make me get excited about the XFL. In fact, I like the older, more uh, intense teams that the original XFL had than the new versions that they they came out with last week. It looks like they put about five minutes of thought and effort into those teams. But I will put it this way. I I cover the 49ers, so I would be more interested in watching the 49ers' fourth preseason game than any XFL game. But I think I would put the first weekend of XFL in in front of all the rest of the league's fourth preseason games. That's probably how I would rank it. Uh, That makes sense. I mean... You and I are both close to a certain team, so I think clearly you'd rather watch the Niners. I'd rather watch the Steelers. But how about Bears, Texans? Right, and so it, there, there's there's always certain players, and I agree with you about college. By the way, I don't. I went to San Francisco State. We don't even have a football team, so I don't have any allegiance to any colleges. I don't care about college football from a team standpoint. I'm watching it strictly for players and how they might translate to the NFL and to your, but into that same idea when I'm watching preseason games, I'm looking for players. It's like, who did I like in the draft? Who did I miss in the draft? And I'm looking for these young guys and, and maybe players that, okay, if this guy gets cut, could he help uh, a certain team that I'm covering? So that's how I look at the preseason games. And, you know, once it gets to the fourth week, it's a little bit difficult because 
maybe in the in, at the beginning of these games, there's guys that deserve NFL roster spots, but at the end, it's really just a bunch of players who who don't have a shot because teams are trying to not get the guys that do have a shot hurt. Yeah, and but it is a crucial evening though for the guys that get cut. You know, the special teams ability. Um, a lot of these guys in that fourth preseason game are totally going for broke. Hey, I got nothing to lose. What if I take a cheap shot at this quarterback? What if I drag this guy down by <laughs> a face mask as long as I get noticed? You know, it's kind of crazy in some regards. But trust me, I mean, all the scouts are paying very close attention. I mean, if hey, I mean, again, I'll use a Steeler reference. The Steelers really need a number two tight end. Well, they're scanning the wire hoping – Johnny, Eddie, Freddie all get cut. You know, I mean, there, there's a, a position or two. Or like when I was with the Browns, we were terrible. And we were looking at the good teams going, man, we're going to take some dudes that aren't in our camp because we need them. There's, there's definitely some aspect of it that's important. And for the players on the field, it's important. And I love that aspect. It's like they're playing their asses off because it's the end of their yeah. football career potentially. So uh, there is but something it's awful to, for the fans. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, it's wrong for the fans charging someone full price tickets for that is also yeah. just ludicrous. And so they've got to do something. And I, I love the scenario that you laid out there. I think that's great. Two more wildcard teams. It does get a little diluted in the playoffs, but it's also such a short season and such a small sample. I think wildcard teams could go to the Super Bowl, and we've seen it before. So I don't I don't have any problem with that. I don't think you're getting bad teams that have no shot into the playoffs like you do in some other sports. I, I tend to agree. Um, you know, last year, the team in each, in each conference that was the closest, that would have been the seven seed, was the Vikings and the Steelers. I think both of them missed them by half a game. And they were both good teams. You know, like if they, they – either one of them could have won the Super Bowl. I mean, if they get hot and – uh, they could have went to a two seed and won that game possibly. But I also remember, what, three years ago, like when the Dolphins went or two years ago when Buffalo went as a six seed. And no offense to those teams, but I didn't think they were playoff caliber teams. They just happened to win a couple games. You know, I mean, if you're going to play 16, you can get a bounce or two and not be playing playoff caliber football. But, I mean, what's the worst? I mean, what probably happens? They probably go to New England and lose. You know, oh, well, we'll move on. It's not the end of the world. And, you know, to tie this all together, you know what these players playing at the end of these fourth preseason games are doing is trying to put on film for the XFL so they can get signed and play in that league potentially. So there is some tie in there. All right, let's step away very quickly. We've got a bunch of fan Friday Twitter questions to get to coming up. Folks, it is a new season. Antonio Brown's with the Raiders. Lev Bell is with the Jets. Odell Beckham is a brownie. The only thing that hasn't changed is where I'm putting my money down on all the games. MyBookie is the only place to bet on football every weekend. MyBookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sportsbook, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs 100 bucks to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. So, folks, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and absolutely my bookie fits that mold. That's why my bookie is always the right place to play. You bet, you win, they pay. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business for you and your fantasy guys out there. You can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. I love that feature, by the way. So, 
up to a $1,000 first deposit bonus. You double your first deposit. Use our promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use our promo code Locked On when creating your, your claim when you're creating your account to claim the bonus. Again, that's locked on, two words, locked on, bet, win, get paid. Let's go to Andrew. He has an obvious fantasy question here, but that's okay because he let me know it's an obvious fantasy question. How are T.Y. and Mac affected by luck retiring? It's funny because I, I do another podcast, Dynasty Blueprint, which is like a dynasty look on fantasy, and it's, it's really something I do it like once a week. But we were talking a lot of Colts yesterday, and I thought overall this is a great buying opportunity for Colts because I think Brissett is much better than people realize. I think the scheme, the line is all really set up well. But I also kind of put an asterisk by it because I am not on the Mac or Ebron train Anyway, like I think they're overrated football players. They're not going to be on my fantasy team, especially a dynasty standpoint. So uh, it didn't boost those guys up for me because they weren't for me to begin with. But if Hilton slips around more than he did with luck, boom, I'm all over that. And I also think a real if you have a really deep league, that Naheem Hines could get a little boost too because I think they'll manufacture – easy running back throws to Hines to you know get Brissett a little bit more acclimated. I will say this, and I think Jacoby Brissett has a good chance of being much better in 2019 than he was filling in for Andrew Luck in 2017, but oh, yeah. T.Y. Hilton's numbers took a big hit that year. He started 16 games, and he went from 1,400 receiving yards to 966 receiving yards, dropped a couple touchdowns, dropped about 50 targets, and about you know, 35 catches. So it, it was a big ding that T.Y. Hilton suffered. So I could see why his ADP would drop. So it would have to drop and you would have to get him at a discount to what you were going to pay. And then I'm all in still because I think he's talented and you can still get a thousand yard receiver there in T.Y. Hilton. And um, I don't remember what my other point was, but um, I got a couple though. If okay. you wanna... <laughs> yeah. Same. I think it's very different now than then. First of all, I mean, Luck's been hurt this whole time. So Brissett's been acting like he's the starting quarterback pretty much since day one while Luck was injured. And if you remember, I mean, he got picked up like a week before the season and got thrust into the lineup with no protection. I mean, I went, I, I, I did some more research of his first stint as a starter with the Colts. You talk about being under pressure. I mean, he was constantly under pressure. And so a, a deep receiver like Hilton had no chance to get deep. And I will say it wasn't so much... Uh, the yards per target that dropped, they dropped a little bit, but it was the it was the targets per game that really dropped. Hmm. So it, it was just a it was it was more about volume than it was about him still playing well with that quarterback. I bet there's a lot of three and outs too, right? Less <laughs> plays. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to used goat. He says, still curious how the safety emphasis, not the position safety, but the the idea of health for quarterbacks will impact Lamar. Jackson running the ball is he treated like a running back protecting the QB uh, I thought just hitting the quarterback at the mesh point is part of the reason cap played more in the pocket in 2014 it's an interesting scenario there with Lamar Jackson and basically once he gets past the line of scrimmage and if he's not sliding feet first he's a running back right yeah right I mean that's there's a lot of rules protecting quarterbacks but you can't just let him run free you know I mean and a couple notes on this is 
you know, like I, I hate to keep bringing up the Steelers, but when Cam Newton and the, the Panthers came here on a Thursday night, that's when that's basically when he got injured. And instead of playing like the pitch guy, they just decided to hit Cam every time. And I think there's going to be a lot more defenses doing that. And just I don't care if the running back gets loose once in a while. Um, we're going to give up the edge because we're just going to put a helmet right in the, the chest of the quarterback because I think all of a sudden the Harbaugh's and people like that might just say, all right, I mean, we're putting this guy in too much harm's way. So that would be one worry for me if I was, you know, a, a read option type of quarterback. And he may give up a big play to the running back as a result, but I think that's a logical solution. But Lamar in general, he scares the heck out of me just from a durability standpoint. I mean, you guys have heard me say I think he's a better passer. I think he's a really good prospect. I think he's an underrated player. But unlike Wilson, um, unlike even Kaepernick at the time, he's a lot more like RG3. And I'm talking about some of the smaller guys, not let alone Josh Allen and Newton who run people over. But he doesn't protect himself. I mean, get out of bounds, slide. That's something I'm really going to look for this year because he doesn't have the body armor to take the hits. I'm with you, and if I was coaching Lamar Jackson, I would be pounding that into him. I was like, look, we want to run the ball with you, but you need to be available late in the season. You have to get down every opportunity you have. Get out of bounds as much as you can because there's no other way to do it. He's not. You just can't last. You can't take that many hits no matter right. who you are, what player you are, what position you are. You can't take that pounding. It's the reason running backs have lower value than other positions, even though they touch the ball so much and they have such short careers. You can't. You cannot get hit that much, no matter who you are, and especially if you're a, a very thin guy like Lamar Jackson is. Right, because, I mean, contact doesn't help him either. Like, Cam puts a shoulder down and right. runs over a safety and gets in the end zone. I mean, Lamar's not running over a cornerback in this league, let alone a safety. And then the other note with, with, with quarterbacks and taking hits and running with the ball is if you're a right-handed quarterback, you can't take a helmet to the hand or that shoulder getting abused. You really have to lead with your off-shoulder for contact. I mean, it's just too important your ability to throw the ball. Looks like this is going to be the the quarterback segment. A lot of questions about quarterbacks around the league here. Let's go to Footsteps Falco on Twitter. If Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston have similar similar seasons in 2019 as they have in previous seasons, do you resign either one if you're Tennessee or Tampa Bay when they hit free agency? I don't know. I, 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 this is a tough question. It really is because. I'm still on Mariota's bandwagon, and I keep saying, boy, that limb's getting weaker to walk out on. And I like Winston a lot, too, but Winston has inherent faults of putting the ball in harm's way and just not protecting it and making dumb decisions and trying to do too much. And if he just keeps showing me that, I might just have to say, I'd rather play against. I mean, that, I guess that's what it comes down to. Would you rather play against these guys or with them? And right now, I think the answer is against them. But I think Mariota has gotten a bum rap. Um, but boy, he doesn't look good. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. again, that, that limb that I'm on is creaking, man. It's definitely a big year for both of those guys, and they have to prove yeah. they're worth it. And, like, tens of millions of dollars 
per year probably is banking on whether they have big years here or not in their in their walk season. So uh, that, that, those are two very interesting quarterbacks to watch, and those are tough decisions. And uh, sometimes you think, you know, you're an armchair GM, and I love the draft, and I love uh, pretending I'm a GM and, and doing a shadow draft for the 49ers every year, and I do a pretty good job of it. But when it comes to decisions like that, and you're talking about dropping $30 million, guys, $30 million on a franchise guy that could maybe not be a franchise guy, that that's a tough decision. Yeah, and... Jimmy's kind of heading down that road too. I mean, it's not going to be long that he's in that conversation. And I hate being in quarterback purgatory where, you know, like Matt Schaub, or you're stuck with a guy that's fine, you know, that you can live with. Cause then you never go get the next one. You know what I mean? Like he signed Mariota to a good, nice deal. And he has the same season. He had these past couple and you win seven games and you win eight games and you stay employed for a while and great, but then you never get to, over, get to the promised land. All right, it's time for a quick break. More Locked On NFL after this. Uh, here's a good one. Uh, let's stick with the quarterbacks here, and I'm interested to see how this has changed for you. JDS wants you to rank the sophomore quarterbacks, Mayfield, Darnold, Allen, Rosen, Jackson. I'm wondering how they've changed from a year ago when they were drafted. <sighs> Allen was last, and I think he still is, but I'm open to the idea that he is better in year two and I know it's only preseason but I like the way he's throwing the football much better his accuracy just to me makes him last and he was coming in that was my worry yeah you're big and strong but he's almost like the big wide receiver that can't do anything else but run fast in a straight line Um, but I do think he's getting better so we'll see Um, I had Lamar one I think Lamar would now be three with Rosen four Allen five but maybe that's still too kind to Rosen I just don't know that you can grade Rosen I I mean I I really liked him coming out of school pocket passer accurate I liked his demeanor on the field and he was horrific last year, but I I think Brett Favre would have been horrific last year in that situation. So I, I totally have not changed my tune on Rosen, but, I mean, they only got a late second-round pick for him. I mean, the NFL is not doing jumping jacks about the guy. Um, I think Baker has to be one, but Darnold's going to be really good. <laughs> I, I think Darnold has a chance to be really good. And I actually tweeted something that's kind of interesting, and I heard it on a podcast, so I hope it's right. But there's been four quarterbacks in history in their rookie year that threw more interceptions than Darnold in his rookie year last year. And they were Aikman, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Cam Newton. And that doesn't mean he's going to be as good as those guys, but it kind of tells you something. Like, they let these dudes throw. They didn't reel them in. They have guts, and they have upside. That's uh, There's a lot there because – the player has guts. The player hung out, hung through their rough rookie seasons. The coaching staff, the front office believed in them, let them yeah. roll through that, which I think is huge. And then you come out the other side and you're like, okay, now I can take anything. I'm ready. Everything's slowed down for me. Uh, though That's a very interesting group. Uh, I like that stat a lot. You know, we're talking about draft and he, class. And he finished the season really, really strong last he did. year. And he looks awesome in the preseason. I don't remember exactly what the ranking was. Again, this is something I heard on a podcast, but... I believe Darnold in the last four weeks of the regular season last year was the top five quarterback. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he absolutely was. Right. And so, a much better supporting cast now. I am buying you know, Darnold stock. And to be honest, if I had won from this point going forward, I might take him over Mayfield, although I obviously realize Mayfield had the better 
rookie season and was very impressive on tape. But that would be a tough call for me. And Darnold's two years younger than Mayfield, too. Darnold was a true junior coming out, so you would expect there to be a little bit uh, slower learning curve there than Mayfield, who was a a fifth-year senior. Even though, you know, (laughs) maturity is still one of the things that Mayfield uh, has questions (laughs) about. So it's very interesting. It's funny, since we're talking about draft classes and quarterback classes, something else that didn't dawn on me the whole week when we were talking about Andrew Luck and his retirement is that RG3, the number two overall pick that year, has outlasted Andrew Luck. It's crazy. And I heard something along the lines of, too, that Peyton Manning retired only three years earlier than Andrew Luck. You know, who he replaced when it was all said and done. Luck only played three years longer, and or and you look at that class. I mean, Tannehill is like the only one still kind of playing. RG three, like that class is really shriveled up. I think Whedon was in that class. Yeah, you know, what looked like a good quarterback class is no longer. All right, let's keep it up. I know you like the Vikings. You picked them with your over, and you had them as a playoff team. What is the Vikings' biggest weakness? This is from Mantis. What is the Vikings' biggest weakness, and what can we expect from their offense this year? Where's, where's their strength and weakness? Where are they going to fail? Where are they going to go big? The weakness last year far and away was the offensive line. It was talent. I have to think, unfortunately, losing your, the offensive line coach early, in, you know, to, passed away, had to do a lot with it as well. But they were overmatched from a talent perspective, and that hurt everything. I don't think they'll be I don't think it'll be a strength, but I think Kubiak being there, using a first round pick, I think the line will now be respectable. I wonder if Cousins is the weakness. I mean, I think he's good enough to win with. I picked him to win the division. But in terms of top ten, top twelve teams, he might be my last quarterback taken in that draft. You know what I mean? Like if we have a pickup game and all the best teams, all the playoff caliber teams, quarterbacks are there. Cousins might be my last choice. Yeah, that's totally fair. Very interesting team, and uh, that's yeah. why I have them still not getting over the hump, and I think they're just kind of hover, and I think they are what they are right now, and what we saw last year is some something similar to what we're going to see with the Vikings, and I could be wrong. They might still have another run in them, but that's why I had them just on the outside looking in behind the Packers and the Bears. I want to finish with Rich here, who says, I finally worked out how to give you a review after three years do you still record from your bar? I miss the old show, Scout. First of all, Rich, thank you very much for finally reviewing the show. We really appreciate it. You guys, if you uh, subscribe and review the podcast, it really helps us out. And I know not all the podcast apps have a place where you can review. Some of them you can review, but it's very hard to figure out. Uh, but whether it's Apple Podcasts or whatever, the reviews really help. And uh, the old show, Scout, you re- what bar did you record from? I always, my, my basement bar, I always used to say, oh, belly okay. up to my bar, sit here and have a chat with me. Um, the, the, I always had the feel and people always liked the idea of, hey, Matt, it seems like you're just having a beer together at the bar and standing around the keg talking football. And I don't think that's changed much. I mean, nope. our format has changed. Um, I'm still sitting in the exact same seat, answering the exact same questions. It's just a lot better to have somebody else to converse with and have you organize everything like you do so well. I didn't know I was supposed to be drinking when we were doing this show. I think that might change things from uh, going forward now because I do have my own home studio here. And um, and I'm also I'm on the bottom floor. It's not quite a basement, but definitely some bar could be involved here. So I think going forward, I like that idea. Let's record from our bar instead of just our office desks. <laughs> exactly. All right. Thanks, Matt. Great stuff. Talk to you after the weekend. Have a fun time with your travels and enjoy your fantasy football draft. Everybody out there, enjoy your fantasy football drafts. Looking forward to it. And we will talk to you 
Monday right here, Locked On NFL.